Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcast. At Progressive, you can get 24-7 protection, even if you break the space-time continuum. We did it. We time-traveled to yesterday. Wait, Progressive covers us 24-7, but we just created an eight-day week, and it's 24-7 coverage, not 24-8. We gotta go back. Are you joking right now? Shh, I'm calling them. Hi, I have a question about time travel. Progressive offers more than a great price when you bundle home and auto. We offer round-the-clock protection, which literally means anytime. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and third-party insurers and subject to policy terms. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This is Stacking the Box with NFL insider Matt Berteram and Mark Carmen. This is Stacking the Box. February 24th is the day we are recording a beautiful Wednesday. I just learned that Matt Verderam's middle name is Ryan, which feels like a big deal. Uh, thanks for letting me know that, Matt Verderam. I appreciate you. Yeah, I mean, I could just go by Matt Ryan, right? You could, you could be, a, you could be a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback versus being a up and coming superstar NFL insider. I'd make that trade if I were you, but it is great to be you. The, money, the money's better to be the quarterback. Yeah, right. I mean, well, there's there's some pulses there. Hey, it's a special uh, edition of Stack in the Box today. Uh, we are welcoming in. To well, he's been with the fan sided family for a while, but we're welcoming into Stack in the Box. He's going to have his own podcast uh, in the Stack in the Box family. Matt Lombardo is here at Matt Lombardo NFL, an NFL insider in his own right. He's a site expert for the New York Giants, formerly with uh, NJ.com, 97.5 The Fanatic. Uh, and he is joining us today to uh, augment our NFL coverage. Matt, good to see you, man. Hey, great to have me on, fellas. Thanks for having me. How long have you two known each other, the two Matts? Matt, how long does it go? I think that we randomly, you know, stumbled into each other in the Super Bowl Media Center. What was that, in Atlanta? Uh, Yeah, yeah. So what, two years ago, I guess. Yeah, and it feels like we've been working together forever and for with that what you will. But, you know, I'm excited about what we're building here at Fansided in the NFL coverage. I'm an avid listener to Stacking the Box and certainly really excited to be joining the Stacking the Box family with the Matt Lombardo Show coming up here pretty soon. The Matt Lombardo Show, do we know what days that's going to be put out? We're still, you know, fine-tuning the logistics on when we record it and when it's going to go live. But um, certainly a formula is in the works. It's going to be a lot of conversations with people inside the league 
players, sources, current and former coaches and general managers. And I, similar to my weekly column that drops on Wednesdays on fansided.com, I'm really excited to give listeners of the podcast a glimpse into the NFL and what it's like not only to cover the NFL, but what it's like for these guys inside the league. Do you, do you remember, Verderam, where you and Matt first bonded in an NFL conversation where you realized that, you know what, this is a, this is a guy that is worthy to talk football with? Oh, God. I don't I, um, I mean, probably in Indianapolis. I mean, I feel like that's when we really I got to know him. Uh, we always hang out with Mike Tanier, who uh, is a columnist over at fanside.com now as well. So, really, we've all just come full circle. Um, but, yeah, there were – I mean – Matt, uh, Lombardo and I are both big fans of cigars. And so there were uh, many conversations had with many sources in, uh, in cigar lounges in, uh, in Indy. And so that, that's what, you know, you go from that to uh, it's 3 a.m. at Prime 47 and, and the Cowboys bus pulls up. And then, you know, you're in for a real long evening. So, you know, it's going to be a party. And, you know, the cigars with with sources in India is one of the things that I miss the most about not being at the combine this week. And I was just going to say, Matt, it it was either over cigars and scotch or junk food and horrible fast food, deep fried goodness in Mobile, Alabama at the Senior Bowl. uh, We realized that we could potentially make a pretty good team here. What happened to St. Elmo's? Isn't that the spot in Indianapolis? Why are you guys slumming it at Prime 47? St. Elmo's is one of many, uh, but yeah, I look, no prime is where the parties at the St. Elmo's oh. closes earlier. Okay. Right? You go, you get the shrimp cocktail, but then prime is where the party's at as the night rages on. Like the, the bus pulls up the prime. And if anybody's ever been to Indianapolis, they, they know exactly what that means. Okay. I got it. I got it. Th- thank you for the background here, Matt. Uh, great to have you looking forward to uh, your version of the podcast and, um, I, we know that you're very well sourced, so anybody who's uh, listening to Matt's uh, podcast is going to be entertained and informed, and we're going to do that today as the three of us hang with you uh, for this particular episode. Let's look at uh, the Carson Wentz deal. He ends up in Indy. The Bears were interested. The Bears weren't interested. We can talk about them in a little bit here. Uh, but who won? What does it mean? Are we confident in the Colts? Did Philly do well moving on? Matt Verderam, why don't you start with this? I don't know that anybody necessarily won. And that's not because I think it's a bad deal for the team. I just think, look, if you're Philadelphia, it's hard to say you won when you're taking on $34 million of dead cap, right? Like that's, that's not exactly a huge win. Now, Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. They could get a first out of this, depending on how the, the conditional works out, because for anyone who's not aware, they're getting a third this year and then a conditional two next year, and if Wentz plays... 75% of the snaps, it turns into a one or 70% of the snaps and they make the playoffs. Um, I guess if you had to pick one team, you'd say the Colts from the standpoint, they had money to burn. They can take him on. If it doesn't work out, they can cut bait. Um, and they would not be giving up a first if it doesn't work out. Uh, but I, like, I look at this thing and say, I don't know that the Colts are better than they were with Rivers a year ago. 
In fact, Rivers was far better than Wentz was last season. Um, but you are getting together with Frank Wright, where he was very successful in Philly when Wright was the offensive coordinator there. That was that MVP year that was not to be because of the injury. So I, I, I like the Colts angle of it a little bit more, but I don't, I don't think it's a home run or a disaster for either side. See, I'm seeing a win-win here. Philly, it was time to move on. He was a pain in the ass. We're well past his 2017 year where, you know, he was phenomenal the, the majority of the season before getting hurt. And if I'm Indy, I'm not paying a ton, but if he's good and we're good, then I'll give you a first-round pick. I, I, I actually sense a win-win here in a weird way. Where are you at, Matt Lombardo? Yeah, I actually think that the biggest winner here isn't either one of the teams because I agree with Matt Bergeron. They, they both kind of did what they needed to do. The Eagles needed to get out from underneath the contract. They needed to cut out the cancer that Carson Wentz became in that locker room. And Indianapolis, they needed a quarterback. Moving on from Phillip Rivers, they needed a quarterback that they could build around. And I really believe that the biggest winner here is Carson Wentz. You know, you look at Philadelphia's angle, and Howie Roseman, try as he may, was unable to drum up any sort of market for Carson Wentz. And as I reported on Fansided shortly after the deal went down, the Chicago Bears, according to my conversations with people inside the league, they were out as of Monday. And the trade went down on Thursday. So the Colts were really the only game in town, the only offer that Carson Wentz and the Eagles could take. But you look at the Indianapolis side of the ledger here, and you're reuniting Carson Wentz with Frank Reich, who was Matt pointed out, coached him to be an MVP candidate in 2017. And Carson Wentz was atrocious last year, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. But his situation now, you put him behind maybe one of the three best offensive lines in the league with Michael Pittman on the outside, with Jonathan Taylor at running back, with a ferocious defense with playmakers at all levels in a division that, let's be honest about this, without Deshaun Watson in Houston, the AFC South is the Colts for the taking for the foreseeable future. So I don't think either team necessarily won because I don't love the contract getting absorbed by the Colts. I don't love the fact that they had to give up two draft picks and the Eagles got far less than the price they were seeking. I think that Wentz bettered his situation. He's closer to winning a Super Bowl when Howie Roseman and the Eagles get one more chance to build around a young quarterback in Jalen Hurts or somebody that they drafted. If you're Roseman, it, this might be make or break time for you. By, by the way, I will just say right after the trade, I spoke to a source with knowledge of, of the details and whatnot, and A, can confirm, not that he needs it, but Lombardo's report that, yeah, look, the Eagles took the best offer. It wasn't like the Bears were outbidding. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, it was the Colts and really nobody else. Wentz wanted to go to the Colts the whole way, but the Eagles, from my understanding, didn't really care whether he wanted to go there or not. They just took the best offer, and the best offer at the end was clearly in the Annapolis. Also, though, this does not mean that Jalen Hurts is going to start. My conversation – with the source tells me, look, the Eagles like Jalen Hurts. It does not mean they're not going to draft the quarterback at six. They could still very much draft the quarterback at six, have him compete with Hurts. So um, all options are on the table for Philadelphia still going forward. So Here's my theory. You're sitting there at number six, right? You just added another second-round pick this year, certainly a third-round pick next year that could be a conditional one. I've, I've, you know, this isn't reporting. This is just me kind of throwing it out there and having covered the Eagles for five years before moving over to the Giants beat, getting to know Howie Roseman and how that organization operates. If they fall in love with Zach Wilson or they fall in love with Justin Fields, don't rule out them attaching one of these picks to a trade to go up and get their quarterback if they aren't sold on Jalen Hurts. Guys. 
Thank you for listening. But this is an important message. Support for Stacking the Box is now being brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming company. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. And we have an exclusive offer for my listeners, 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDED20. That is 20% off and free shipping. You cannot beat it. So go over to manscaped.com, check out all their latest stuff, including the Lawnmower 3.0, What's the perfect package? Check it out. It's a can't miss. Manscaped, something if you're a man, you need to be aware of. Again, go to manscaped.com and for the code, it's fansided20. I just want to hear the Chicago part of this because the Bears like quarterbacks that they're familiar with. There is familiarity with Carson Wentz dating back to Matt Nagy in Philadelphia and his relationship with Doug Peterson. So some people are saying that Doug was calling up Matt and saying, do not touch Carson Wentz. Hey, pass that along to Ryan Pace. He's going to ruin your locker room. By the way, you guys aren't exactly great at developing veteran and or rookie quarterbacks. You certainly didn't make uh Mitchell Trubisky into anything and Mike Glennon didn't get better in Chicago either. This is a bad idea. But when I looked at the price tag, I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm the bears and I'm, and I, you know, I, I got to get some help at quarterback. This, it might've like that level of, of payment. I would have thought would have been palpable or something, excuse me. There's something they were willing to do. Palpable is the wrong word. I, I think I'm on some form of uh, whiskey right now. Yeah. So, I, something something happened is my point. And I don't know if it, Matt, either of you guys know what it was, but the Bears were in and then all of a sudden they were out and they were out early. So there was a flip of the switch here that went the other way. I don't think the Bears were willing to give up the amount of capital. I mean, maybe maybe Lombardi, you can speak to it more. I, I just, all I know is from the, sport, the source that I spoke to right after the trade, the Bears just never made an offer commensurate to what the Colts did. Yeah, and I think that's accurate. I mean, you look at the Bears situation, I think that there were some back-channel conversations that Carson Wentz didn't want to go to Chicago. And, and you know, the, the other element why Wentz is one of the big winners here, he's a North Dakota kid. He's a kid who's used to the Midwest, the Midwestern laid-back lifestyle. Indianapolis is a warm and loving, forgiving, optimistic <laughs> fan base. That's not the case in Chicago. Chicago is a colder snowier Philadelphia with just as angry and just as impatient sports fans. So I really believe that if there was any back channel conversation, it would have come from the Wentz camp to the Chicago bears or to the Philadelphia Eagles saying, listen, Chicago is not a place we're all that excited to go to. And here's the other layer to this. John D. Filippo, the bears quarterback coach knows Carson Wentz very well, rebuilt his throwing motion after a disappointing 2016 season when Wentz then became an MVP candidate in 2017. John Filippo, you want to talk about hard asses? He's a guy who's a hard ass as a coach. He thrives on hard coaching. He gets the most out of his quarterbacks. But not everybody, and certainly Carson Wentz, from my conversations with people around the league and people around the Eagles, is very reticent to hard coaching. Doesn't like it, doesn't respond to it. So I don't think that Carson Wentz was all that thrilled about going to a situation where he knew he was going to face demanding, difficult, hard coaching every single day. And with Frank Reich, even if he gets that type of tough love, 
there's a lifelong friendship there that might not be established with anybody in the Bears organization. Play in a dome, play behind a better offensive line, play with, I guess, less pressure, play on a, you know, a franchise that isn't an inept quarterback franchise for since 1942. I'm looking at you, Sid Luckman. I get it. I get it. All right, let's go into the future here. We're sticking with the Bears to start. And Allen Robinson specifically, uh, this is a superstar Pro Bowl dynamic wide receiver who the Bears absolutely need, but they haven't extended. He doesn't want to be playing under the franchise tag, which obviously is an option for Chicago. Matt Verham, what do you think happens here? This is a completely this is completely just an opinion. I think he's going to hit free agency. They have shown no proclivity to try to sign the guy to this point, and we are now in the tag window. They could tag him, but they have no cap space. They could create a little bit, but if you tag him – what good is that doing you in the long term? Like you, you still need to sign him long term. You now have tied up a ton of cap. You would need to cut guys just to get under the cap, and you can't improve anywhere else. Like he was great last year, and they were an eight and eight seven seed. So, I think they need him. How do you make a radio ad for an eight K TV that conveys the feeling of thirty three million pixels with over a billion shades of color hitting your eyeballs? This is the best we can do. Samsung Neo QLED 8K, unreasonably good. I think they should sign him long term, but they have not made any progress in doing so. Now, look, things change, deadline spur action, we all know that. But if, if I'm Allen Robinson at this point, why would I sign long term with the Bears right now? You're, you're going to hit the market. Screw it. Like, make the Bears outbid everybody else at this point. He had, he's had two really good years with bad quarterback play. Imagine if he actually had somebody who could throw the football. And I do think there's some level of comfortability. He likes it in Chicago, but it seems like the Bears are drawing a hard line. That you're worth this, but you're not, you know, you're not top five receiver in the game. You're top eight, so we're not willing to pay you that way. That's what I'm getting here, Matt Lombardo. Yeah, you look at Allen Robinson, I think he's stone cold, one of the 10 most gifted receivers in the NFL, and, and that's just amplified by the lack of an elite quarterback that you just touched on. My read of the Allen Robinson situation, it's kind of tied with the three receivers at the top, and I wrote about this pretty extensively in the Between the Hash Marks column that goes live this afternoon, that, you know, you look at Kenny Galladay, Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson, there's a really good chance, and I spoke to a head coach about this, uh, you know, yesterday morning, there's a belief in the league that two of those three names could get tagged and traded. So I wouldn't rule it out if the Bears don't have the cap space to keep Allen Robinson under the franchise tag, if they don't have the desire to sign him long-term, which they'd be foolish not to do, I wouldn't rule out a tag and trade situation where you see him get tagged and then traded to a, a cap-friendly situation. Maybe Indianapolis, who has all the cap space in the world. Maybe the Jets, where you can go and catch passes from a Zach Wilson or a, Zach, a Sam Darnold. You know, maybe a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, and you can go play alongside Joe Burrow. But but I think that Allen Robinson might not have all the, that much leverage here. But he certainly has an opportunity either through free agency or potential you know tag and trade to finally have a legitimate quarterback throwing him passes. It's just bizarre to me. This is your best offensive player. He's been a class act off the field. He's wanted to stay in Chicago. Who 
cares if you're paying him an extra one million, two million a year? Sometimes you just gotta pay the market value for a premium player. I'm not saying he's Jerry Rice, but this is Allen Robinson. Is there's nothing to not like here? It's just very bizarre to me. All right, let's let's move on to the quarterbacks here. Which teams do we think are going to draft quarterbacks in the first round? How active do you think it's going to go here, Verderam? Let's start with you. I'll be really brief. Look, this is obviously kind of a fun question to guess. Jags are taking Lawrence. Jets, I think, at two are taking the quarterback and they'll move Darnold. I, I, they have to, in my opinion. Um, I think Carolina, which has been ultra active behind the scenes trying to find a quarterback, will find a quarterback here in the first round, whether it's trading up or staying at eight. I think Detroit thinks about it, and I wrote them in the rundown. They really started thinking about it. They got Goff for a couple of years. So, actually, the more I think about them, I don't think they will. I think early it's going to be the Jets, the Jags, the Panthers. Then I think the Falcons might. And I'll give you one down the line because there's always a team like the 20s that'll do it. I think Pittsburgh does. Whether it's for this year or next, I think Pittsburgh knows it's now. They got to move. Maybe they get a guy like a Mac Jones, somebody like that. Man, I'll let you jump in here, but the Bears are drafting a quarterback. I will. I would bet a lot of money on it. Go I ahead. I think they're going to trade for Darnold. Why didn't put him in there? Wow. Okay. Go ahead. Wow. I mean, a Darnold trade will be pretty huge for the Bears, and I agree with you. I think there's going to be a new quarterback in Chicago, Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy, both on kind of lame duck situations. The best way to buy job security is to add a young quarterback. I'll add two teams the list of names that Matt Verderam just rattled off there. And I think that those, all those, I agree, draft quarterbacks. I think the Eagles at six are very much in play. And I have a sleeper for you. Dallas Cowboys. I mean, you're a team yeah. picking in the top 10. You don't, I don't know that they're committed to Dak Prescott and they'd be foolish not to sign him to a long-term deal. They have the cap space to sign him to these, the franchise tag this year. It would basically be the only move they can make, which would make it a foolish move. But if they're not committed long-term, say a four- or five-year contract to Dak Prescott, I think it's a situation where you draft a quarterback and you tag Dak. That would be really, really interesting. And for that sake alone, I, I hope it happens just for the conversation. I don't, I don't think that's going to go down, but that would be awesome. Yep, that's right. Uh, do we? Who do we think, if you had to guess right now, second best quarterback in this draft, if you're picking, obviously Trevor's going first, but if, who do you think is number two? Yeah, I think it's Zach Wilson. Um, you know, I spoke to a couple sources who one of them told me he reminds them very much of Patrick Mahomes with his throwing, wow. his arm angles, his arm strength, and the fact that he's a unique passer. So I'll go Zach Wilson here with a pretty high ceiling. I'll say field. I'll be – up front, I have not watched a second of tape on any of these guys, but I have talked to people in the league or scouts who my sources have just said, hey, look, I, I think I think Fields is going to be really good in the NFL. Uh, but I will remind people, out of these five guys who are probably going to go in the first round as quarterbacks, two to three of them are going to suck because that's the way the NFL draft works. Which is why you get paid the big bucks, NFL GMs and scouts for not picking one that sucks. Quick time out. Stay with us. You are listening to Stacking the Box. There was one clip of Fields making its way around the internet yesterday, making its way around Twitter of him throwing it 70 yards in the air for a touchdown. I'm like, that looks a whole lot like Deshaun Watson back in the day. Now, I watched him play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game, and I was not impressed, but that's obviously only one football game. I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it, it's very interesting. 
you, I think you really have to study these guys to know. Uh, let, let's move on to Isaiah Wilson. And the question, is he about to become the biggest bust of the last decade? Matt Lombardo, you want to tackle this one first? Yeah, I have not had a chance to really dive in to this one as much as maybe some people have and maybe Matt Verderham has, but I know the quote that's making the rounds that he's not the player the Broncos thought they were drafting. He's a different player and a different person. So, uh, Matt, I'm not sure your take on this, but it sounds like this is headed to be one of the biggest blunders in the history of the draft. Well, I mean, look, Tennessee took him uh, at, yeah. at was it 29 or 30. Um tackle out of Georgia, they were going to have him replace Jack Conklin. He played four snaps last year. And it was one just disaster off the field, on the field. Like everything you can think of was just a tire fire. And then the Titans come out a, a week ago, for not even a week ago, and are basically like, look, he's got to decide if he wants to play football. And then he tweets out and then deleted very quickly, well, I guess I'm done playing for the Titans. Like, Four snaps. Four snaps. Now, is that a worse bust than, like, Paxton Lynch? No, probably not because he's a quarterback and he made four starts, right? Like, I think Lynch is probably worse when you look at, the like, the magnitude of the bust for the team. But if you're talking about a guy who's just an effing disaster of a pick, that's one of the worst picks I've ever seen. Ever. Four snaps? Your first-round tackle. Like, there are guys who are awful who get two years as a starter. And so that yeah, I, I think in terms of just like the production, yes, it is. It has to be if he does not play again for Tennessee, it's got to be the worst pick in ten years minimum. Just thinking of guys off the top of my head, Johnny Manziel is in the team photo here. Oh no for, question, he no is question. Ju- just a complete. And and, and I'm Ryan thinking about right right for sure Ryan Leaf. Uh, if I go into Bears history, Cade McNown. Right. Stick to the decade, though, Carm. And yeah. I, I, look, and, I, no, like, again, I think if you draft a quarterback who's awful, like Josh Rosen's in there, right? Sure. Like, if you draft a quarterback who's awful, that sets you back more than drafting a tackle who's awful. But, again, so I think in that argument, no, he's not. But if you're talking just production, the man played four snaps. That's impossible. That's impossible. It's amazing to me that – like when something like that happens, I just feel like people are not paying the least bit of attention to who's sitting in front of them when they're doing the interviews. Right. Via, via on Zoom right. or in person. Are you, do, do, you, you, you are just so enthralled with their size or their speed or what someone else has told you that you just have put complete blinders on. Cause I'm, I guarantee you there was warning signs and you just missed it. Uh, let's move to Tampa here. If the Bucks with salary cap issues have to choose between Godwin and Barrett. Who do you think will be the player that moves? I think this one's easy. Like you can't lose Shaq Barrett. You are, you have won because of your defense. He's an impact guy. He's, en- he's entering his prime, but for him, you think it's different? No, I don't. But the reason I put it on this, I agree with you, Carl. I agree. I think you cannot lose Barrett and you have Evans and Gronk and Brown and, and Scotty Miller and all these other guys. But yet there are reports out there that they're more likely to tag Godwin, which I just – unless unless they can also, of course, sign Barrett long-term, but that seems like a lot of money with a cap situation that is not terrible, but they have other moves they need to make. If they can only keep one, I think it has to be Barrett. 
but yet I was surprised to see some people who are plugged in down there who are like, no, they're probably more likely to tag Godwin. I, I don't understand that. And I like Chris Godwin. I think he's a very good player. But Shaq Barrett, to me, is the guy who would, on the market, get $100 million. I don't know that, that Godwin would approach $100 million. Lombardo, what are you hearing? Yeah, I agree with a lot of that. And I think that Shaq Barrett is probably one of the five best running linebackers rather in the NFL. But I look at Chris Godwin, probably one of the five to 10 best receivers in the NFL. And you look at how they won that Super Bowl. Yes, they won it on the back of their defense, but they got to the Super Bowl because of Brady and that offense down the stretch in the regular season. And my thought here is that you look at this being a pinball offense situation in the NFL, and you look at Tom Brady being 44 years old or whatever he's going to be in September. I don't know that you go into next season and take away a weapon like Godwin when you've built an offense like you guys talked about with Evans and Gronk and Scotty Miller and a couple of nice running backs in the backfield. I don't know that you remove Chris Godwin from that scenario if your window to win a Super Bowl is one or two more years. So, yeah, I think that Barrett is the bigger priority and he'd be tougher to replace. But I also think that they love Chris Godwin. I think that they're all in with Tom Brady for another year. And if, if Brady is your guy, I don't think you start taking the weapons away from him. So I'm like rewinding back to what we're talking about, Allen Robinson. Are the Bears looking at like, hey, you know, we'll get Godwin. He's going to be gone and we'll get him for cheaper. We don't have to pay him. And there's no real difference between him and Allen Robinson. I don't think that's true, but I mean, maybe they're if, looking at it like that. If the Bears let Allen Robinson go to sign Chris Godwin, they're out of their minds. And it's not because Godwin's not a good player. I don't quite share Lombardo's fever of he's a top five to 10 receiver. I think he's probably like, maybe, I don't know, around like 15. That being said, he's very good. Um, Allen Robinson has played with Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky, who stink out loud. And yet he's put up unbelievable numbers. If, if they let, if they let Robinson walk and then they spend a ton of cap money on, on Chris Godwin, uh, I will be apoplectic. We'll have to do an emergency podcast. A, to vent, and B, because I want to see your reaction to that if that happens. This is one pathetic franchise. Everything's on the table right now. It should never have gotten to this point with the Bears and Robinson. Let's move to in or out. Matthew Stafford, we're starting with you. Stafford will have a bigger impact with the Rams than Wentz will have with Indy. Let's uh, let you lead off on this one, Mr. Lombardo. In or out? Yeah, I'm out on that because I think that the situation is perfect for Carson Wentz to have a rebound. I think he faces a much easier division than what Mr. Stafford is going to face in the meat grinder of the NFC West. So, yeah, I'm out on Stafford having the bigger impact. Bertram? I'm actually in. I think I think the Colts are kind of overrated. Like, don't get me wrong. They're a good team. And I, and I agree with Lombardo that I think Wentz will bounce back. Now, I don't think he's going to bounce back to what he was when he was MVP form, but I think he'll bounce back to being, you know, league average. Um, Stafford has a better team around him. There's just better. They, they the best defense in football last year. Um, I, I do like the Colts offensive line for sure. That is a great group, although Costanzo did retire. But the Rams have Cup. They've got Woods, got Higby, got a nice little stable young running backs. McVay's very good offensive coach. I think the Colts are good, but the Colts are losing a lot of guys right now to free agency. Like, they got to keep these guys. Now, maybe they will do it, and so my answer could change. If they keep all those guys, and yeah, then I'd say, well, the Colts the Colts are losing a lot of guys right now that they got to re-sign. So I think you could certainly argue either way, which is why it's on and around. Uh, I, I think Stafford, though, 
I, I just think he's the better quarterback, and therefore I think he'll make the better difference on a slightly better team. Yeah, I'm, I'm with Verderam on this one because I'll go with the better quarterback. And I, he's also, in my mind, it, it's, it's true on the division, but I, overall I just think he's in a better situation. I find this to be one of the very interesting things that we're going to see next year. How's Stafford going to do? How's Wentz going to do? Those are, those are going to be some fun storylines. Let's talk yeah, about you're this. Facing, you're facing San Francisco twice a year. You're facing the Seattle yep. Seahawks twice a year. you yep. got to play Kingsbury twice a year. And if they keep Hassan Reddick on that defense, that defense is a top 10 to 15 defense in the NFL in terms of their ability to be disruptive. That's the only reason why when I look at the supporting cast around Wentz and his path to a – a, a division title and a home playoff game is going through uh, likely Deshaun Watson, less Houston Texans, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have yet to prove me anything, and whoever else is the Tennessee Titans, who I think are flimsy, especially in big games. I, I just think that if you had Wentz in that situation last year, I don't know that they lose the Buffalo in the wild card round. All, all of that is fair. Interesting that you think Watson is going to be out of Houston. You think the same thing, don't you, Verderam? I don't know what is going on in Houston. Does anybody know? Does Houston know? I I mean, they have continuously said, we're not moving him, we're not moving him, we're not moving him. But this is Houston. They could move him yesterday, and it wouldn't surprise me. So I think that's going to go – let's put it this way. I, I honestly don't even have a prediction for that. I think it is going to go into training camp. That's what I think. I think he's going to be there. I guess if I really had to pick, I think he's going to be there, but I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a day-to-day thing because Easterby could just wake up tomorrow and go, you know what? Screw him. We're trading him. And it wouldn't surprise uh, me. Yeah. I I think he's going to be there too. Why do you think he won't be, Matt? Well, I just think that he's going to force – he has the potential to force his way out of town. And if he's available and if they decide, okay, you know, he's not going to show up, there are going to be teams knocking down the door trading three first-round picks plus. And if that's the offer, if Carolina offers you Christian McCaffrey and – you know, another player, three first-round picks and a second-round pick. See you later, Deshaun. Yep. It's a very, very tough one to turn down, especially if he's, like, banging on the door saying, get me out of here. Uh, let's move to the Steelers. And the question is, or is the Steelers should move off Big Ben immediately, in or out? I'll just start with this one and say I'm out on that. I think you sit down with him. He wants to be here. Let's restructure a deal and give you one more run in the sun. Cause I'm a loyal guy, Matt Verderam. What do you think? Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> I I'm out on it because I went through this in my head and who's their better option. Right. Like, look, I'm going to be blunt. I think he stinks at this point. I do. I think he's maybe the 20th best quarterback in the NFL, but I think Mason Rudolph stinks more. And I'm not over the moon about Mac Jones or whoever they're going to find coming in as a rookie and playing. So I think if you're the Steelers, yeah, you figure it out. You create some cap space. You, you keep him. You'll let him ride out into the sunset as a Steeler. Because I don't know that there's any solution they have that could all of a sudden make them a Super Bowl team. Look, the reality is they started 11-0 and last year. But, Carm, you and I sat in this podcast every week and – Every turn, we're like, yeah, they're really not that good. Like, it's a, it's an unbelievable run. Give them credit, they're 11-0. and 0. At some point here, this thing's coming to roost, and it did, and they didn't even want a playoff game. So, I look at Pittsburgh, and I see a good team that's about to lose a lot of guys in free agency. A lot of guys. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster, James Conner, 
uh, Alejandro Villanueva, Mike Hilton, Cam Sutton, Bud Dupree, Tyson Luolu, they're all free agents. And they have no cap space. So I think Pittsburgh's an, an also ran next year anyway, so I'd keep them. But I don't I, – I, the biggest reason is I just don't know how they're going to upgrade. I really don't. I draft the guy in the first, I develop him for a year, and then go from there. Matt Lombardo, the Steelers should move off Big Ben immediately, in or out. I'm all in on this, and I wrote about it in the column that's going to go live on Wednesday. Look, if you keep Ben Roethlisberger around for another year, you're just prolonging the inevitable for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're making it more difficult to rebuild. For all the names that Matt Verderam rattled off that are free agents this year, you're going to make it more difficult to go and acquire a young talent in free agency by eating – Ben Roethlisberger's salary cap number this year. And if you throw Mason Rudolph out there, you're playing the long game. You're thinking, okay, we're going to win four or five games this year. It's not going to be great. We're going to be picking top 10 in next year's draft. We can get a quarterback in 2022. If you're Ben Roethlisberger and you're the Steelers, look, down the stretch after they lost that game from weeks 13 through their playoff loss to the, to the Browns, Ben Roethlisberger averaged 5.3 air yards per attempt. That's pathetic. He forgot how to throw it deep. He couldn't throw it deep. And he neutralized Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster. So the longer that you keep Ben Roethlisberger on that roster as the starting quarterback, the further and longer you kick the can down the road on a rebuild. And the tougher that's going to be in a division where you're looking up at Baker Mayfield and the Browns, who just went to the AFC Championship game. You're looking up at Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. You're looking up at Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals, who are promising. And the longer Big Ben is there, He's just a Band-Aid, and the tougher it is to rebuild and catch up. So hard to move on in life in so many different corners, which is why I'm probably just – I'm hanging on to Big Ben in Pittsburgh. You are the Steelers. But everything you just said there, Matt, makes a, a lot of sense, baby. It is time to move forward. But on the other side of the coin, which you brought up, Verrem, there's not a lot of great options for the Steelers at, at quarterbacks unless they're going to get creative, and who knows what that would be. All right, let's look at the Seahawks. Speaking of getting creative – are they really entertaining trading Russell Wilson in or out? Rumor on the street is that everyone's calling Seattle. What do we think? I'll I'll kick it off. I, I I'm out. I don't think they're they're trading Russell Wilson. I, I I would be just shocked. I get it. It's out there. They they're not happy with him for airing his dirty laundry on on the Dan Patrick show. You want to talk about not having a better option? Are you going to trade Russell Wilson? Who are you getting back? Who's coming in? Unless they trade him to, to Houston, okay, that'd be about it. And I don't think that's happening. So, like, to me, no, he's not He's not going anywhere. That was about, hey, I want to have more of a voice in the room, and I'd like to have an offensive line far more than it is get me out of here. And, frankly, I think he'd be nuts to want out of there. Hey, Houston, hey Houston, straight up, we'll give you Russell. We want Deshaun back. You doing that if you're the Texans? I need more than that. I, I mean, I, say, I, no, because Wilson's eight years older than him. Right. Yeah, right. I, I agree. And I'm out on this. I don't think that there's any way Russell Wilson lines up anywhere other than the Seattle Seahawks. Listen, we go through this every year. What was it last summer, the summer before there were the conversations about Ciara wanted to be in New York City. So the Seahawks were going to trade Russell Wilson to the Giants. There was no substance to that. I don't think there's much substance to this. Russell Wilson's the face of the franchise and with the right pieces in place and an offensive line and a couple pieces on defense, Seattle has a chance to go back to the Super Bowl in the NFC because there's just a dearth of quarterback play beyond Aaron Rodgers in that conference. So I couldn't be more out 
on the possible Russell Wilson trade away from Seattle. I was bullish on the Seahawks all last season. I thought they'd at least make it to the NFC Championship game. Of course, that did not happen. Uh, so I'm also out that they're, that they're going to trade Russell Wilson. I can't imagine it. Uh, speaking of one more quarterback in our final in or out, Cam Newton should start somewhere in 2021, and I'm assuming we're not talking about the CFL here. Verderam, thoughts? Like I'm out on this, and I, I put it on the rundown because – like he had a very, actually, very interesting uh, conversation on, on the podcast, I Am Athlete, which is really good. Um, and he talked about how much he likes Belichick, and, and he went into some different stuff about, hey, I'm one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the league. And I agree with him. He is. But that doesn't always mean you should be one of the top 32 in terms of starters, because there might be younger guys who aren't as good as you, but they're trying to prove themselves, they're trying to ascend. A team has more reason to be invested in them. Cam was awful last year awful eight touchdown passes and i i don't care i get that their weapons stunk and i'd argue they're the worst weapons in football like, i get all that i also watched a lot of the pats last year he struggled at times to throw the ball 15 yards accurately i mean the ball just being the dirt to be behind a guy be... i think he deserves to be in the league like i still think he's a, a good enough player to certainly be in the league he'd be, he'd be a top backup but for me at this juncture would I be happy if I'm a team starting him? No. No, absolutely not. I'd be trying to move off him the second I, I acquired him. I, I think that's just kind of where we are with him. He's had a very good career. It's over, in my opinion, for him as a starter. Matt? I agree. I, I'm totally out on Cam Newton as a starting quarterback in the NFL. And it, it's just the simple premise of this. We just rattled off, what, six or seven teams that could draft quarterbacks this year? If you're drafting a quarterback, this isn't 1999 where you throw the kid a clipboard and say, watch and learn from our starting quarterback for seven or eight weeks and then go in and play. In the college game, these guys are prepared to come in and play in the NFL immediately. So the need for a quote-unquote bridge quarterback, which is all that Cam Newton is at this point, to me is non-existent. And then the amount of teams that could use a, a Cam Newton type of presence is very minute. So I think that Cam Newton is entering the stage of his career where he's a journeyman quality backup for teams that might need that presence with a young quarterback already on the roster. I mean, I'm just thinking about the Bears right now. No, no, number one, for a backup, for just next year, who would you rather have, Mitchell Trubisky or Cam Newton? Trubisky knows the system. And if you're going to have the same head coach and same offensive coordinator in there, the main purpose of the backup quarterback is to mentor whoever your young quarterback is. And I think that Trubisky is better suited to be that guy than Cam Newton. Cam Newton's a, a great quarterback and a good leader. I just don't think that he's a guy that you have molding a young quarterback in an established system with an established head coach and offensive coordinator. And even outside of Chicago, like just doesn't know the system. Who do you want, Trubisky or, or, or Newton? I think the answer is Mitch. Yeah, I agree. It probably Maybe. is because he's young, and yeah. you hope that he finds something. Like Cam, at this point, it's just it's just what it is. I, yeah, he's had a good career, but it's just it's it's winding down. He's had a he's had a great career. I'd MVP, go great. Yep, uh, went to Super nice, Bowl. All nice that nice career, nice yeah. career. No shame in that. Yeah. All right, let's wrap it up here. We we Matt, we do. Uh, what's going on in your life? We get to get personal here. Verderam, you got anything that you want to share to the to the masses? Not that I want to share necessarily, but one thing, look, it's been, it's been annoying me for an entire, well, for most of my life. But um, this, this conversation everybody seems to always need to have about the GOAT, you always hear it now. It's constant. It's every day. And by the way, 
there can only be one goat. Okay, the greatest of all time. There's not like this idea that like there's like 19 guys who are the goat. F that. Yeah, that that's garbage. There's one guy, and I started thinking about this. Like in in team sports. Okay, I'm leaving out into. I'm not talking like Serena or Tiger, who Tiger get well. Okay, but I'm not. I'm not talking about individual sports. I'm team sports. Who is the greatest player of all time? Now the obvious answer is Babe Ruth, but Babe Ruth played in a segregated league. Okay, he didn't even have to go against any any of the, the great black players of his era. So I'm tossing Babe Ruth out. All right. And then you get into like the, the later part of baseball. It's like Mantle or Mays or Aaron or, or, or Bonds. It's, you know, he's a cheat, whatever. Like, I can't go there because they're all so close. Brady, you get into that, but it's like, look, Brady's the greatest winner in his sport, but like, is he the greatest? Is he better than Jerry Rice? Like, no, he's not better than Jerry Rice. Okay, Jerry Rice is, is the most dominant player. The point I'm driving at is to me, this came down to two guys eventually. It came down to Jordan and it came down to Wayne Gretzky who never gets mentioned in this. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, this isn't even an argument. It's Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest team sports athlete ever in North American sports. Here's a stat that is to end all stats, okay? In his career, he had 2,857 points in his NHL career. If you took away... Every goal that he scored, and he scored 894, which is the most ever. You take him all away. He's still the all-time leader in points in the NHL just by virtue of his assists, okay? The guy, all-time assists in, in one season, he has 11 of the top 12 years. He's the only guy to have over 200 points in the NHL season. Did it four times. He led the NHL in points eight years in a row. He won nine Hart trophies, which is the MVP in the NHL. Okay. Won nine, eight in a row, nine out of 10. He's a four time cup winner. He went to six finals and it, nobody brings him up, but Brady's the goat or some other, some other guy like LeBron get lost. It's not even an argument. So I just wanted to throw it out there because the goat thing drives me crazy. Gretzky just, is so far out in front of everybody else in team sports, it's not even funny. Just for the record here, Matt Lombardo, I think you might have the same reaction to me. Verderam just said he hates the goat conversation, just went into at least a three-minute diatribe on the goat conversation. It needed to be settled. <laughs> I've had it. I you can't just said, take it you, it's, it's settled. It's Gretzky. I, I feel like I was sitting on a therapist's couch, and he just unloaded something he was you know, carrying with him for 15 years. Yeah. Good for him. He's passionate about the Gretz, and, and I get that. You know, the, the one thing that's really on my mind after everything that happened with Tiger Woods is – of course, you know, thoughts and prayers that he makes a full recovery. And whether that includes playing professional golf again, that's secondary, right? Well, what matters is that he's there for Charlie and Sam, his two kids, that this wasn't a Kobe Bryant situation where, you know, you lost somebody at a far too young age with young children and a young family. But, you know, you just look at what we might be losing, with Tiger Woods, the professional golfer, if his career is in fact over after the two compound fractures and the shattered ankle in this accident, you know, 
inclusivity in golf used to only mean the type of atmosphere at the hospitality tent, the big corporation sponsored at the tournaments. You, you had African-American golfers who weren't allowed on several courses as spectators or players until Tiger Woods mainstreamed the game. You know, I don't know that I pick up the sport and play it as avidly as I do if it's not for Tiger Woods. I certainly don't wear as much Nike gear as I wear around the house and everywhere else, you know, if it weren't for Tiger Woods. So I'm certainly relieved and thrilled that, you know, Tiger is is still with us, hopeful that he makes a full recovery. But the, the tragedy of losing him as a golfer, I think, is one that's going to resonate in the sports world for quite some time. And you want to talk about goats? Other than Serena Williams and tennis, I don't know who the next coming along in any of these individual sports that can mirror or surpass what Tiger Woods did, both as an athlete and as a, a societal icon in American society. Both of them, I, I guess I was going to throw out Floyd Mayweather at you. I never lost um, for going individual sports. But, Verem, you got a meeting in two minutes, so we got to go. But I'll wrap up the GOAT conversation like this. Michael Jordan's the GOAT. The Michael Jordan of – the Michael Jordan of hockey was Wayne Gretzky. The Michael Jordan of this podcast is the two of you uh, and the listeners, so thank you for listening. Uh, but, you know, MJ's the GOAT. He's, they, they, they should change the GOAT logo to, to the Jumpman logo. I mean, come on. This is uh, – we know this. 6-0 in the finals. Gretzky lost twice, damn it. Um, not that I also think that winning is overrated in the GOAT conversation, but that's another time for another GOAT conversation that Verderam doesn't want to have. Hey, Matt Lombardo, it's awesome to have you a part of the Stacking the Box family. Can't wait to hear your version – your your podcast, my friend. I'm excited to get it started. Thanks for having me on, guys. Verderam – Good to see you, brother. Same to you, Carm. I'll see you again next week. We'll see you next Wednesday. Thanks for listening to Stack in the Box. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.